Hi, this is episode five of Please Touch the Art. My name is Kieve. I have a Master's of Fine Arts from Columbus College of Art and Design. My favorite color to paint with right now is Prussian blue. And my dreamed dog or cat is gray like that Weimaraner color. And I am a classically trained lyric soprano. Who are you? I am uh, Wes Anderson, uh, better known in these circles as Weston Macaloni. I'm an actor, writer, and magician in the Columbus area. And I shouldn't make any uh, director-related jokes? Uh, please, no. Yes, okay, thank well, you. That's uh, the only one, I promise. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, no, uh, just uh, happy to be here today and uh, looking forward to uh, some fun discussion. So Yeah, totally. So tell me what we are what you see right now. What do you think you're looking at? What I think I'm looking at is a very large door or gate or something. I don't know. It's big. Looks like it's cast in, I would guess, bronze. I, I, okay. I honestly don't know. Lots of different figures surrounding uh, the door frame on top of it and uh, etched into the door itself, the doors themselves. So very yeah. intricate looking and very cool. It's got a kind of a weird vibe to it. Yeah, because this piece is so big, I actually also have some really close up shots. Tell me a bit about like what you're looking at when you see some of these details up close. Looking closer, I'm seeing that the figures are not all entirely human. I'm seeing, for one thing, a, a skeleton uh, amidst these crowds of looks like naked people. It's very crowded. Over here in the corner, I'm not sure. It looks like some uh, like one of the figures has horns, I think. I don't really know for sure. This is a shot of the door from, from, under from underneath. Wow. From underneath, oh, that's really cool. The, like the figures are actually reaching out like from out of the doors themselves. So it's, I thought they were like from the front view, I thought that they were just like, just kind of embossed on, on the front, but it's actually like full realized figures actually like reaching out like perpendicular from the door. They're all kind of kind of reaching kind of, I'd, I'd say that they were like embracing, but it's not really an, like a embrace because like one person's like reaching around to like grab the other's chest from behind or something like that. From the look of things, it's almost like they're writhing, I guess. I don't know. Mm. It, yeah, it, it doesn't look comfortable. So. Yeah. So some of the things that you've picked up on that I want to talk about when I'm looking at this piece, what I see is what's called relief sculpture. And we'll talk about what that is a little later on. Okay. But I'm seeing characters embossed, kind of like you said, onto the door, leaping out from it on the door and around the door kind of fully fully encased fully into this absolutely lovely large scene when i look closely at the characters i'm seeing some familiar poses i'm seeing for example i see kind of like something that reminds me of the thinker yeah yep. very familiar very familiar art i'm seeing kind of everything feels very quickly rendered everything feels chaotic I want to say I'm noticing a lot of kind of faces that seem to be in some kind of torment, almost as though they are in pain. And then there's a few figures that are kind of comforting each other, perhaps. And I will be posting all of these images so that you can see exactly what we are looking at in the show notes. So do you want to say anything else about this door before we talk about what it is? I really appreciate kind of the asymmetry of it. Like with something this grand, I would expect it to have some kind... It's definitely balanced in a way. You know, it seems like all the figures are generally, you know, the same in number, but they're definitely not the same in terms of like where they're placed or what they depict. And so it's... Yeah, it's kind of like the 
left hand side is lower down versus the right hand side everything's yeah. a little bit like you said there's there, yeah like you said there's a, a theme of chaos just kind of surrounding the whole the whole picture so yeah nice i want to apologize in advance because french is my worst language oh mine too <laughs> any other language this might be a little easier <laughs> This is Augusta Rodin's Gates of Hell, also known as La Porte de l'Efer. It has over 200 figures cast in bronze. This particular door, when it is fully realized like it is right now, is 19.7 by 13.1 by 3.3 feet of relief sculpture in both high and low relief. Wow. We'll talk about what that is. It was commissioned by the Directorate of Fine Arts in 1880 and was expected to be delivered fully done in 1885 but that didn't happen yeah i can see why um, rodin actually worked on this entire piece for 37 years until his death in 1917 wow yeah this was meant to go on the entrance of the decorative art museum which was never built it is also very i mean it technically started getting built right, because they finished this that's but, true yeah. it's a very scary door for like an entrance to a museum actually. yeah but i, I can understand for like a ripley's believe it or not kind of thing but yeah like, maybe wow. i guess decorative art it isn't always like pretty but we think of it as being very pretty and this cast is actually probably the original cast, which is in bronze. The original completed cast of the Gates of Hell was done by Leone Benedite in 1917 with permission from Rodin, but Rodin never saw the gate completed. Oh. He died before it was cast. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the Gates of Hell are, where it's inspired from? Yeah, I'd yeah. be very interested in hearing about so, that. So, You're probably familiar with Alighieri's, uh, rather Alighieri Dante's, is called the Divine Comedy. Yeah, it's I called believe, the Divine yeah. Comedy. It is yeah. a 14th century epic mm. divided into the Inferno, the second half being Paradise. This gate takes all of its inspiration from the from all of the gates of hell that they walk through. basic storyline for anybody who doesn't remember the first half is the narrator encounters three beasts and is not able to overcome them and ends up being rescued by Virgil, mm -hmm. an old philosopher and poet, and a person named Beatrice, who we believe is Rodin's, essentially his idea of what the ideal, big air quotes there, woman should be. Mm. And he ends up going through the gates of hell with them. So going through limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, anger, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. One of Dante's warnings that was really inspiring to Rodin was, in the context of the story, it was over the entrance into hell. Abandon every hope, ye who enter here. Oh, yeah. Mm. Very piratey, almost. A little bit, yeah. yeah. No, but... It, it unfortunately reminds me of the uh, Pir Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> the whole dead men tells no tales. Yeah, thing. sure. And then yeah. one of Rodin's quotes, obviously translated into English, which I found very powerful as a person who went through an entire master's program. For a whole year, I lived with Dante, with him alone, drawing the eight circles of his inferno. 
at the end of this year, I realized while my drawings rendered my vision of Dante, they had become too remote from reality. So I started all over working from nature with my models. I just think it's really wonderful and excellent to think about the process that goes into like making a finished work. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 37 years. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Well, and it makes, I mean, having to study Dante, that you know, it's such a complex body of work like that, and then getting so wrapped up in that. I mean, being an actor, I know how easy it is to get wrapped up in something when you're really, really into it, and, and looking, yeah. hearing that quote, and then looking at this final product of what he made it you know, it's very clear that he did at some point step back and was like okay let's let's rework this a little bit because i i don't remember everything from reading the inferno because i think i read it like back in like my first year of college or something like that but uh yeah this is not what dante pictured i'm certain no but I, i'm sure it's absolutely not yeah. um definitely evocative of it though yeah sure. one of one of my favorite illustrations of dante's inferno is arthur rackham if you're familiar I am um, not, unfortunately. I'll show you later. I'll cool. link it in the show notes. It'll be great. He's, he was my favorite when I was, like, in high school. He was great. <laughs> I had a great time with that. Awesome. So let's talk about some other inspirations that are going into this gate. Other people that Rodan was looking at, and I'll link everything in the show notes to the best of my ability, was Lorenzo Ghiberti's Gates of Paradise, which explains why the Gates of Hell is being used. Yeah. Kind of medieval cathedrals with high and low relief. Do you want to talk about high and low relief now? Or yeah, wanna... I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I have an idea of what it might mean. But Yeah, uh... totally. Especially with this in front of you. Relief sculpture essentially is any artwork that kind of goes along with or embellishes a surface. It can be a wall, it can be a door, it can be a piece of furniture. It goes back, the way, the process of it goes back into like cave art, through Greek art, through ancient China, and a lot of cultures. I, I won't say almost all cultures because I don't actually know the answer and whether or not that's true and I don't want to put some words in my mouth that aren't necessarily good ones. But high relief is, let me show you. High relief's anything that projects really far from the wall versus low relief is something that is very, very close to the wall. And there's even kind of a sub-layer of relief where they can kind of like carve into the wall so the image is in the wall rather than coming away from the wall. And one of the reasons why you might want to use relief sculpture versus other kinds of sculpture is it gives you a 2D and 3D plane to kind of work with. Sure. Yeah. So most standalone sculptures, you don't get to see where they're standing. Like if you look at David from by Michelangelo, you don't get to see the battlefield that David is standing on. Mm -hmm. Versus a relief sculpture, you get to see the battle, you get to see the field, you get to see kind of where everything is. You mm -hmm. get In the case of the Gates of Hell, you get to see figure upon figure upon figure just jammed together. So that is what relief is. Cool. Going back to inspiration, along with the medieval cathedrals with their relief sculptures, there's also Michelangelo's fresco, The Last Judgment. Frescoes make me want to throw up a little because I 
tried it once and I was not very good at it. <laughs> a fresco is essentially, it's kind of like a watercolor painting, except you're painting onto wet plaster. So you have to finish it really, really, really quickly and you only get one chance to lay down brush strokes. Oh, it's a lot. So I just wanted to tell you what that was. And then also Delacroix's painting, The Broke of Dante. Insert a Lacroix joke here because it's not a soda. Oh. <laughs> I think I'm hilarious, but I'm really not. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about where Rodin was working a little bit. So Rodin actually worked on the ground floor of the Hotel Biron, but I could be wrong. And he worked essentially all 37 years that he worked in the Gates of Hell, he was in there. The Hotel Biron was originally called the Hotel Piran de Moras, found on Rue de Verines in Paris and was built in 1727 through 1732. And two years after Rodin's death, in April of 1919, became the Musée Rodin, which houses 300 works of Rodin and is where you can see this cast. Wow right now. 300 works. Yeah, 300 works. And speaking of which, a lot of this Gates, the original times that it was shown, first time it was shown was in Rodin's first solo show in 1900. So this is 17 years before he died. And it was shown in fragments, just little pieces of everything. And also a lot of Rodin's work, as you may notice, as we are looking at this relief that looks a lot like The Thinker, mm -hmm. A lot of the sculptures were blown up into larger formats, the thinker being one of them, another, a few others being that were blown up being the kiss, which is actually removed from the gates of hell because it was considered too beautiful to go with the imagery. There's also Ugolino and his children, the three shades, the old courtesan, essentially people that you would have found in the gates of hell, the thinker being the most famous of those. I recognized, obviously, the thinker, like, right away, but it was just, oh, that just must be, like, a, a common pose for that time period or something like that. No. But it's actually the same, just blown. Okay. Yeah, this is the actual, this is, this came first. So this, um, okay. And the thinker, or the le penseur, or the poet, as the thinker can be called, the most three common theories is that this is Dante looking over all of the gates of hell that he has written about, or it could be Rodin himself looking down at all of the sculpture <laughs> to kind of see what his hands made, or even Adam thinking, meditating on the original sin, Yeah. according to Christian legend. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, I thought it was wonderful that that exists. That is really cool, um, yeah. The list, if you Google it, the list of sculptures that came from this door originally is quite long. Another thing that I mentioned earlier was I mentioned that this was going to be the door to the Decorative Art Museum. Right. Do you know anything about the difference between, difference in quotation marks, um, between decorative art and fine art? It's okay if you don't. They have, to, they are two different words. Um, <laughs> they are two different I, words. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they are two different words. Um, it's a little arbitrary, first of all, so it's okay, okay that you don't, that you don't know. It's a little gatekeeper-y. I love it. I love gatekeeping so much. Yeah. But well, Appropriate art, considering we're talking about a gate, so. Huh, I didn't realize that. That's great. I love it. Huh. So decorative art is any art work that serves to embellish or decorate the surface of something that's meant to be useful. 
like okay. a door or a bowl or a piece of furniture. Most things that you'd put relief on as it happens. Yeah. It can also be sometimes synonymous with craft, which craft also gets a bad rap when it comes to gatekeeping. But anyway, decorative art, the only real difference between that and fine art is you can use what it is on versus like a painting. It is a painting. Right. In the end. A sculpture. It is a sculpture in the end. I guess you could put your books like on top of the head of Michelangelo's David or you could like I, I feel know, like someone would like frown that. on that probably someone with a badge and a club yeah so. you're you're not wrong I mean I'm not cool enough to be that person who can walk into an art museum that I will link in the show notes Wilson something who can just walk into a museum and rearrange the entire museum <laughs> Yeah, so I actually have a coworker. His name is Chris. He's a great person. Who it's his bucket list to see the gates of hell. Oh. I don't know whether or not Chris wants to go all the way to Paris to see it, but the gates of hell, because it is a cast, it has been made several times. Oh. This is the bronze, but it also comes in plaster. There's one that has parts of it that are painted over with gold. There's a few other ones. But if you want to see this in the United States, it's a little easier. Yeah. Well, a little easier if you live here anyway. (laughs) Um, You can go to the Rodin Museum in Philadelphia to see a version of the Gates of Hell. You also can go to Stanford University inside the Iris and B. Gerald Cantor Center for Visual Arts. And you'll see two different casts of Gates of Hell there. And are these casts, are they bits and pieces of it or is it the full oh it's the full door it's the full and like full size and everything or I like, actually or don't it... know the answer to that question huh. I more or less went where could I go road trip see this if I had money to road trip and see this <laughs> barista budget you know how oh yeah is. yep is there anything else that you want to touch back on any pictures that you want to look at again let me see here. Yeah, now we, yeah, just looking at the full thing again here. I'm curious, because you said that various reliefs were all taken from the entirety of just the Inferno or from the whole Divine Comedy? This, more specifically, is from the Inferno. The Inferno. It kind of seems as though it's, like, almost sectional in a way. Like, there's, there's not exactly, like, definition between, like, one scene and another, but there's definitely, like, little, kind of in the middle of the left-hand side of the door here, there's a little bit of space. You can kind of see that again on the other. Do you know if Rodin had any like specific visuals that he wanted to represent or i know that especially the ones that i mentioned as fragments are specific characters okay. like i know the three shades are in there the old courtesan is in there i do know that part of the reason why you're seeing segments or like pieces when you look at the door is because the casts for this door aren't all together they're right. like different pieces so when you do cast this door it comes from multiple casts okay. well, that I eventually can, yeah. come together i have make that well so that makes a lot that of might sense be part yeah. of it. Is there anything else that you want to talk about again? There's just, it's just so much of it. You could spend hours and hours talking absolutely, about Absolutely, yeah. No, like you said, what is it, 200 figures, something mm-hmm, like that? Figures. I can absolutely believe that. I mean, I'm just trying to just count a couple here and there that I can see and, you know, the full thing. I, it, like, I can just imagine standing, like, next to this. Like, it's a shame that it was never put to use. It would be, you know, I've, I've visited art museums in a couple different places around the U.S. And, you know, they usually, you know, they've got some decent, you know, structure to them, you know, pillars or, you know, uh, reliefs or what have you, but nothing nearly this detailed. And so to just imagine what they had in mind for a a building like that with this as its 
entrance as it's yeah. you know kind of its as its first feature that people really get up close and see it's just astounding yesterday i was listening to an episode of the lonely palette which is a podcast that's actually very similar to mine i'll link it in the show notes and they were talking about there used to be in washington dc there used to be a structure that people would have to walk through to get to work essentially the main point of the structure was that you were meant to measure your entire body against it huh. and it was like some people described it as a contemplative piece some people described it as the most horrifying claustrophobic experience they'd ever had interesting and things like that it ended up being dismantled it's in storage right now because too many people were like i don't want to walk through that on my way to work please just let me walk to work but <laughs> I can imagine, I can just imagine like being there in person, looking at it, like kind of like how yeah. you'd feel and how different people would kind of take seeing this in yeah. person. I, wish I, I would, could... yeah, I would definitely not want to be the person who had to open that museum mm -hmm. every morning yeah. or like close it down at night because you would eventually have some kind of night terror, like opening that oh, up every, sure. every day and then I'm like sure. going into a dark museum and just be like. Well, I'd be you, looking over my well, shoulder the whole time. If you and your spouse want to take me to Philadelphia, by that <laughs> I mean, do you want to go to Philadelphia with me? Then we can see a version of this in person. I will put it on my calendar. That Definitely. sounds amazing. So I am uh, Wes Anderson, also known as Weston Macaloni. And I am Kieve Roekiever. Thank you for having us WCBE, and you can find us at wcbe.org and where all podcasts are. Just pick your favorite podcatcher. It's great. You can find us on Instagram at Please Touch the Art Podcast as our handle. You can find my personal art on Instagram on kieve.art, which is spelled K-I-E-V-E dot A-R-T. And you can find my website at K-R-O-D-E-H-E-A-V-E-R-A art.com i'm coming uh, anyway. to your magic show by the yes, way yes it's yep, the day uh, before my birthday i want to go for sure yeah um no i am uh, currently in a couple different things opening on uh, march 22nd i can be found uh, in uh, imagine productions how to succeed in business without really trying also coming up actors theater of columbus's romeo and juliet opening may 23rd and as kiave mentioned i have a one night only magic show coming up as uh, anders the amazing and that's going to be at the mad lab theater in columbus on july 12th like i said it's secretly for my birthday thank <laughs> you unfortunately i do not have any other media handles at this time but i'm sure if you google weston macaloni you'll find me somewhere Thank you.